Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Globally, the two most reported persecutions used against Christian women and girls globally are sexual violence and forced marriage. Both were identified by 84% of respondents from the top 50 countries where it is most difficult to live as a Christian, according to Open Door's annual World Watch list, which was published in mid-January. Today's guest is Helen Fisher. She has tracked trends related to women and religious persecution over the past decade and is the Global Gender Persecution Specialist for Open Doors International. She'll share more with us about what's going on around the world and ways that we can help. That's today on Connections. Today's guest is Helen Fisher. She is the Global Gender Persecution Specialist for Open Doors International. Maybe that's a good starting point, actually. For those of us that don't know, uh, explain to us a little bit about Open Doors, what it is and why it exists. Yeah, no problem. Um, Open Doors is a Christian ministry that serves and equips the body of Christ in threatened or unstable areas. If you cast your mind back and you've ever heard of Brother Andrew, who's a Dutchman, He founded this 65 years ago, uh, traveling behind what was then the Iron Curtain and delivering Bibles to persecuted believers there. Yeah, he. uh, I think I had a comic book as a kid, actually, that told his story, and he was always kind of my hero growing up in a missionary church. Yeah, that's how a lot of us uh, got to know that. It was that kind of adventurous, you know, cutting-edge sort of, "Can, can you really do this? as a Christian sort of thing, and Open Doors has carried on. Obviously, we don't work in the same areas anymore, um, but we're around the globe in over 60 countries. How did you get involved with Open Doors, and what does your work look like now? Well, I got involved with Open Doors by working in the French office. I'm actually based in France, and I started with uh, as a communicator in that office before I moved into really focusing on the situation of the women of the persecuted church you know, when um, when your job is to tell stories, then you meet a lot of people and you hear a lot of stories. And I was really struck by what was happening to the women. And um, and so I then put on my researcher hat, and uh, now I'm, I'm the global gender persecution specialist. And we put out a research report every year to say how are men and women persecuted differently because mm. of their Christian faith. I think a lot of people might be uh, familiar with the uh, the world watch list Open Doors puts out every year, most dangerous country to be a Christian in. Uh, and, you know, I think there's more awareness about persecution, but maybe not so much awareness about gender-specific religious persecution. How are women persecuted differently, and what's the reality like for a Christian woman in many countries? Yeah, well, it's great to hear that more people are aware of the World Watch List and this um, this phenomena of Christian persecution. And it's true that we're less aware of the fact that in some countries, it's maybe not the countries that we live in, like Canada, the U.S., or Europe, um, because men's and women's situations are so different, their social standing, their legal rights are so different, then they're vulnerable in different ways. And so as Christians they can be persecuted very differently. So in this year's list, we found that the top three ways that men are persecuted globally is physical violence, economic harassment, and government incarceration. Whereas for women, it's sexual violence is number one, forced marriage, and then physical violence. Helen, how's the situation evolved over the years? Has it gotten any better? Mm, worse or better, you know, <laughs> Very difficult to say 
say these things. Um, what we are seeing is that we're understanding it much better. And as we understand it better, we have a deeper understanding of how really bad it is, which is perhaps not uh, our, a really positive thing to start with. But then we realize that actually that helps us to be able to walk alongside the church better when we understand better what the situation is. Ah, so how do we do that? How do we, how, or how does Open Doors walk alongside the church? Open Doors walk alongside the church in many, many different ways. Uh, we started out by bringing Bibles and uh, equipping people with the Word of God is always the first way that we go. But then we realized, for example, with the gender-specific um, persecution, that actually legal vulnerabilities are a way that Christians are persecuted. So actually, we can be advocates with government and ask for legal protections um, for men and women, for Christians, and say, actually, protecting women's rights and protecting freedom of religion or belief are both ways of protecting the church. Other than that, Open Doors does trauma care. We do socioeconomic development, literacy classes. There are many, many ways to strengthen the church. Are we sure it's religious persecution of women then when we're talking about this, or is it more cultural? One of the reasons it takes a while to actually discern what is happening to the women of the church is that a lot of the persecution blends into the ambient violence against women mm-hmm. or the ambient abuse of their rights. And so we realize, and as our research has gotten deeper, we realize that actually persecutors are agents of opportunity. They use pre-existing social and legal inequalities and use these to actually persecute because we may not realize it, but persecutors are actually risk-averse. So they use the means that blends in and is difficult to detect and they can't be punished for it. There's impunity or they have to, there's nobody saying you need to stop doing that because actually people do that to women in general. So we've identified something that we call the more so effect. So we might say that women in a country are all at risk when they walk down the street, but the persecution element is when the Christian women are systematically more attacked than other women. That's the more Ah. so element. That's the actual religious persecution element. So that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that differential um, because Open Doors is a religious persecution ministry. Uh, the world watch list, you know, your top most dangerous countries, uh, to be a Christian in. North Korea was at the top of the list, I believe. And then Afghanistan and Pakistan were all around the top five. So are those the, like, does that correspond to the country it's most dangerous for a Christian woman to be in? Or do we see different countries that are, are worse for women? Those are also very difficult countries for women, and you're quite right about those being at the top, along with Somalia and Libya, Eritrea and Sudan. But we would also say that um, Nigeria, and especially northern Nigeria and the central belt, is an extremely uh, difficult place for a Christian woman. She is very vulnerable. She's easy to um, to find and um subject basically to what we know are the top patterns, sexual violence and forced marriage. And because of the way society responds, actually sometimes the societal response 
to that persecution actually makes the damage worse. Um, and this, this kind of predictable behavior of society is part of the persecution dynamics. Are they going to have uh, resources for help in countries like that? Like if a woman faces persecution, is she going to be able to go to a local government building and get help or no? Yeah, it would be really nice, wouldn't it? Uh, it? We know that when there are laws that protect us, it's hard enough to get justice. But in a lot of these countries, it's absolutely impossible to go and require justice or ask for justice. One of the reasons is that if you're of the minority population, the police force may not take your um, complaints at all. They may not register it. Uh, and the other thing that we find in some of these countries is that even if that uh, complaint is registered and you get to court, you may be in a court that is uh, basically religiously stacked against you because of the region that you're in. So it is very hard to have justice in some of these, which is one of the things that really com- uh, contributes the impunity with which the women can be attacked. You know, Asiya Bibi is a good case study, I think, right? Where there were even laws and court systems set up to help, but that took years uh, to get her out of prison. You're right. She is a really good example of the fact that even though on paper you can have a lot of legal protection, in reality we saw that there was a real lawlessness where even others who spoke up to defend her lost their lives because of that. Right. So it's not just a question of what's on paper, but it's whether or not it's applied, it's how it's applied, it's who is in those positions to carry out uh, justice. You mentioned some of the ways that we can help as the churches, like uh, petition our government officials or other government officials. Uh, What are some other practical, maybe prayer points, uh, first of all, and then other uh, actual things that we could be doing from here in Canada? Well, uh, the first thing is always to be informed. And so I would recommend going on to the Open Doors Canada website for uh, as a source of information. The other thing is when you're just listening to the news in your car, in the, uh, on your phone, whatever it is, just ask yourself uh, prayerfully, Lord, what is happening to the church there? How are my brothers and sisters in Christ being impacted in this place that I'm learning about? And then take the opportunity there and then to pray for them. Um, pray that they would stand strong. Pray, pray that they would be a faithful witness. Pray that the Lord would send his angels in to intervene. These are all things where we can ask the Lord to ask when we, we know that we can't physically be there with them. So prayer is always the first thing, um, and praying in an informed manner is a fantastic um, way of basically partnering with the Holy Spirit in that. What keeps you doing your job day after day? I guess it's the fact that we can also do practical things. It's the fact that as organizations, when we come together as Christians, we can actually get involved by going to our brothers and sisters, uh, providing resources for them, advocating for them. There are actually practical things. And so being able to make that difference is, is a great privilege, and it's something that I believe actually honors God. So it's the desire to honor God in that behavior that really drives me and gets me up every morning. Like, as the church, do you feel complacent when it comes to persecution and especially about gender-specific persecution or maybe uh, just not as aware as we should be? Or how do you feel the church, especially in the West, deals with these issues? Well, I think 
there are different churches who deal with the notion of persecution differently, um, and we have our own definitions of persecution. Maybe we feel that uh, something that we're experiencing in the West is is really severe because, yes, it is making us ask ourselves that question, how attached to am I to my Christian faith? But if we open our eyes to the broader world and we can also hear some of the stories of our brothers and sisters, we can also be inspired and challenged as to what it means today. And this is, you know, 2020. What does it mean today to be a Christian? And how is God being a God to those Christians in the most difficult circumstances? And the reason that could be fantastic is sometimes we live paralyzed more by fear than by persecution. So when we learn to face our fears by saying, actually, what, how are people who are deeply persecuted living their faith? Then maybe I can say, well, actually, maybe in my circumstance, I know that God will be there for me too. Is that kind of your big hope that comes out of doing the work and the research that Open Doors is doing that you'll encourage the church in that way? Or, or what's the, yeah, why write this report and release this work? I suppose this um, this work has two goals. One of them is to inform the ministry that we do with the most persecuted believers. And the other is to also open our eyes in other countries, so we'll call ourselves the West, um, to the fact that there are what the Bible calls schemes of the devil. There are uh, quite cunning ways to get Christians to not see how they're being persecuted. And gender-specific religious persecution is one of those things. Like we said, it it blends into social gender norms, and the church may become so accustomed to the fact that the women are um, are repressed or they're um, actually subject to violence without having any recourse to justice that they actually forget that this is a form of persecution and religious persecution. Mm-hmm that is damaging the church. So it's a bit of an eye-opener. It's a bit of a a challenge to say, let's think about what's happening here so that we don't fall into those schemes. And Helen, what do you say to everybody listening this morning? Just last thoughts and encouragement for us. I'm just really thankful for everybody who has a heart to learn more and pray more and get to know more about their brothers and sisters around the world. We have so much to learn from each other. And we have so much to learn about what God is doing in all of these different places. So it is an encouraging thing that we don't need to be afraid of. Uh, thanks so much for having us on the show today. And um, really, God bless you in your ministry. And thank you, Helen, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.